Ladies, have you ever been told to take up less space? Well, sure you have. Lose weight. Be more ladylike. Don't eat so much. What are you, a lumberjack? Don't curse so much. Don't be so loud. Why do you have so many opinions? We've been conditioned to believe that being smaller and quieter is what good girls do. But is it? Should it be? I don't think so, but it's not that easy to change these deeply internalized beliefs overnight. Where can you learn how to joyously, unapologetically get comfortable with taking up space? Well, you can start in your own home. My guest, Shayna Francesca, is a speaker, writer, and entrepreneur. She helps people live more joyful and connected lives through the principles of life design. She believes that our present and future are transformed when we infuse our life with intention. She's also an interior designer, and I'm so thrilled to have her here to talk about how single women can organize their own spaces, design their own spaces so that the experience of living alone can be joyful. Shayna is here to tell us what happens when interior design goes beyond throw pillows and paint swatches and starts to change the way you exist in the world. This is the Spinster Life Podcast, the podcast that will never make over its living room just to follow design trends. I am so pleased to welcome Shayna Francesca to the show. Thank you so much for being here. Yeah, thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Why don't you tell us just a little bit more about your business, your business says, and the work you do? Yeah, so my my business's name is Consonate, and the work centers around life design. So being intentional, right? The minute that we apply intention to any action, we are designing that action, right? Because intention is a thought process, is how we want that, what we want for that action. It's not the action itself. Right. So design is the action itself. My background is I'm an interior designer. And when I started out doing the work, it was me deciding to to work with my clients and sit down. And And my approach to it was for me to interpret how I saw them, right? And to craft their environment based on who I saw them as and created as the stage from which they were going to tell the story of their life. Because we spend two thirds of our life inside of our home. A minimum. During the pandemic, a hell of a lot more. Yeah. <laughs> um, and now that people are, a lot of people are hybrid or working still from home, we're spending even more time. But historically, we spend at least two thirds of our time inside of our home. And so when I would sit down, when I sit down with clients as interior design clients, I would ask them, what is the story you want your life to tell? And then tell me who you are. I get to know my clients and I walk through their homes with them and I can watch their body language and pay attention to the things they say and what they don't say and what they excuse away. And it's interesting to me to engage with people's spaces and to recognize what's not functioning for them, what's not supporting them, because our physical environment is meant to support us, not us support it. Yeah. Yeah. But we don't recognize that. Because our society tells us it's meant to be something that is in a specific way, is a function of marketing, is supposed to be Instagrammable, so on and so forth. And we're, we're constantly held up to this ever-changing marketing idea, rather than it being anchored in who we are and the stage from which we're telling our story, uh, not anyone else's. Right. And not everyone else's story is word art or a trend is coming through interior design at that current moment. Yeah, the trend, the reason for trends is for consumption, right? Is to yeah. encourage our consumption. Right. And our consumption has nothing to do with who we really are. It, it doesn't, no. It has, it has yeah. nothing to do with who we are. So it's about settling in and recognizing what belongs still in people's life and then what is not meant for them anymore and me removing what's not meant for them anymore and then bringing in what I see as being meant for them through my interpretation. That's why they're hiring me because they want my interpretation, right? 
And so how I'm interpreting them and their life story, how I'm processing it. And then I'm like, Hey, is this, does this serve you? Is this what work for you? Is this something that feels right and aligned for you? And then they're saying yes or no. And then we're implementing that. Right. And when I say we're creating their interior environment as the stage from which they're telling the story of their life, I don't mean in a performative way. I mean, in the way that it sets the tone, it sets the culture, it sets the vibe, right? Because you're having your friends there. Maybe you're having your family over. You're, You're experiencing and making a ridiculous number of the decisions you make every day inside that space. So it should be a unique reflection of who you see yourself as and who you know yourself to be and what you know yourself to be capable of. And it should be enabling and empowering rather than pulling away from it. And that performative aspect, you are so right that that really is what interior design for a lot of people is. Let's do up the house. Let's show the neighbors. Keeping up with the Joneses. It's a very nuclear family, very capitalist, very hierarchical. Our value is determined, right? Middle America's, middle-class America's values determined on their ability and rate of consumption. And just all of the little things that go along with that performative interior design. I don't know if when you were a kid, you had people that had formal living rooms that were off limits most of the time. You didn't live in them or those dumb little soaps. You didn't even use them. Yeah, you didn't even (laughs) use them. The dumb little soaps or the decorative towels or all of those things that like you had to- Never were used. You had to exist around instead of existing with- Correct. Instead of them actually being something that was beautiful and functional. Yeah. Yeah. We're not mutually exclusive and things should not be, our home should be a place that, that is a place of, that honors who we are, not a place where we're respecting the objects that exist there more than we are respected in our own space. We get to take up that space. Right. Right. Like the good (laughs) China or the plastic on the furniture. It, that it's says, all good like, china to me yes. it's all good like it's all use the good china every day right yeah, like it's right. all good china to me right like and it's a matter of like and good china doesn't have to be something you brought you bought new at barney's like it could be the thing you got secondhand and it could be mismatched and it could be beautiful pieces from a hundred different sets right yeah. it doesn't it could be whatever we want it to be And it should be whatever we want it or whatever feels aligned with us. But we have to set our intention for our life first, right? And I explain it this way. And this is how I extracted my life design work from my my way I function as an interior designer. This is where I just took the language. And now I'm able to teach this to people through workshops and so on, because it's just so powerful. You know, I think when we're talking about or thinking about what comprises or what's part of our space, it's just important to remember, like, we have to create that intention for our life. And it's like setting a direction on a compass rather than pulling out a map and being like, this is the exact route I'm going to take. Because we have no control over the exact route we take in life, right? Right. Not really. But we can say, I want to head in this direction. And then we could set out in that direction and we could be willing to learn and move and grow and readjust as we head towards that specific direction. And to have that space that you can come home to that reflects that and isn't working against you. It isn't working against you. Exactly. It's working with you. It's a part of it. It's a matter of, so my marketing person, Jane, when she and her husband bought their new house, they don't have any furniture in their living room. None. There's none. There's a statue, a beautiful statue of a juggler just opposite of their fireplace. And their what would be the dining room is her 
embodied movement dance room. And then like they have another room that actually has sofas and so on and so forth because they want space to move and be able to dance and have people and not have all of these big pieces of furniture in place, right? It's the same for each and every one of us in the space that we live in in Berlin, right? Single, especially as single women to be able to say, you know what? This is designated as the living, as the dining room, but I will always be eating at the island in the kitchen, right? I'm yeah. never going to use this as a dining room because I'm not going to get married and have kids. So there's just me to service on a daily basis eating somewhere and I don't need an entire table to eat at. But if you want a giant table to eat at, do it, right? right. But maybe you say that dining room now becomes your art room or your yoga room or your whatever room, your lounge, your library, whatever it is that you want it to be, it becomes that space because the thing that you love the most that brings you, that sparks joy in your life should have center stage in your own home. I totally agree. Use the space that the way you want to. Yeah. I love the kitchen island thing too. Sit by like a window that you like to look out of and eat your breakfast every morning. I like to eat on the couch. Yeah. It's probably not like great for mindfulness or digestion, but it's real (laughs) cozy. It's real cozy to just sit there and just be able to unwind. and Yeah, but with like a blanket and snuggled up on the couch, eating breakfast that way sounds lovely. You know what I mean? I, I don't know that it's not mindfulness, right? Because I think it's what you need and it's a place of comfort, right? I think so much is dictated. So much is dictated by other people and saying, this is what mindfulness looks like, but you're not me. And your mindfulness is not mine. I know I'm also, I'm a neurodivergent person. So I have autism spectrum disorder and ADHD. So what works for other people doesn't work for me. My brain does embody, do not process information the way everybody else's does. Right. So 15% of the population is neurodivergent is like me, right? 85% of the population, you might function very differently than we do. Right. But what works for you doesn't work for me. And even within that, there is, there's a sliding scale for every single person. So I think it's a matter of being like, this is the goal of mindfulness rather than this is what mindfulness looks like, right? Yeah. Right back to that performative versus what designing yes. something that works yes. for you. Exactly. Which is why I always come back to life design is not for anybody else. It's for us. We, are, we desperately need one another and yes. our life is not meant to be lived for one another, but it is meant to be lived with because yeah. we deeply need one another but we can't show up for other people unless we're able to show up for ourselves and empowered to show up for ourselves right yeah and that can all start from the moment you wake up in a bedroom that is set up for exactly the way you live your life exactly would you also please tell us a little bit more about you as a person yeah Okay, so this is a roller coaster ride. I grew up, I I grew up in South Jersey and was born into with two two very young parents. My parents are boomers, and all that comes with that (laughs) that comes with (laughs) unprocessed trauma on their part. And eventually, they made their way into an evangelical Christian cult. So I was raised inside of a cult and lived in an extremely abusive household, both verbally, physically, and and emotionally. And then my father eventually became sexually abusive towards and groomed me from the time that I was a young kid. I now look back and can recognize he was grooming me much further back than I thought, but definitely and very specifically from the time that I was at least 12, he forced me to take a chastity pledge in front of our 2,500 person church, even though I had been sexually assaulted at three and a half. And so I didn't 
feel like technically being a, being a, a rape victim, I didn't feel like I actually fulfilled what virginity is, which by the way, I virginity is a bullshit concept that I don't actually, it's not real. It's, it's not, not real. real. No, it's, it's not, not real. real. And it's not important. No. And if you, and if anybody wants to dive into that concept more, I highly recommend the book, Come As You Are. But the recognition that I didn't fulfill that, that like strict definition really me and hurt me. And so taking that pledge was made me feel really uncomfortable. So I just wanted to do it at home, but I was forced to do it in public and then sexually assaulted by my father at 15. So it's a really fucked up dynamic that existed there in my life. And so there was no safe space for me, right? There was none. So that my safe space became my imagination. It became the books that I read. It became the mentors in my head. It became crafting, trying to understand what it would feel like for the world to be a place I felt seen and heard and understood within. And that is what led me to my interior design work because I recognized that I could be that, I could create that safe space for other people. I could create space for them where they were seen and heard and understood, right? And so that's where my interior design work was never about, could never be about marketing and creating my own signature style as an interior designer. It It could never be that because I understood fundamentally in my soul the deep effect that physical space has on our mental health. And so moving through that, eventually I started my own business about, I guess, six years ago now. And it started out just being interior design. And then about four years ago, I started doing group coaching around the concepts that I now call life design. And I, after working with like a hundred people over two and a half years, I was like, wow, there's more here than I was giving credit to. And so- allowing life design to take up space in the world and allow it to, because I can only work with so many interior design clients at a time, right? I could turn it into some massive firm where I have other designers who are taking on projects, but that, that didn't really feel aligned with my intention for what I wanted to be doing in the world. So now I still work with a few interior design clients, but now life design is what is encompasses about 90% of my work. Very nice. So tell us a little bit more about the definition of life design. Life design is about, is not about doing more. It's about being more intentional with what we are already doing, right? It's about recognizing what is meant for us and what isn't meant for us, right? Once we create an intention, then we can see what's aligning with that intention and what's not. And we can carve away that which is no longer serving us. So we can make space for what does belong in our life to really bloom and develop and grow and get more intentional, right? It's like the difference between living your life as like eating at a buffet versus at a really beautiful, well-curated restaurant, right? You can survive eating food at either place, but one feels really incredibly beautiful and an incredible experience that might bring us, that sparks joy. Whereas I've never, and I happen to be someone who hates buffets. So please, if you love buffets, do not take this as an insult. (laughs) please don't. It's not me like food shaming. It's just a matter of yeah. they're not my jam. So like it's a, it's the difference between a beautifully curated experience that brings you joy and one that's fulfilling a necessary thing, right? It's fulfilling a need to eat, yes. just a basic need. So it's that juxtaposition. I think this is where our messages align. To me, being a spinster and living the spinster life means yeah. that you, if you do eventually choose dating, that you are choosing it not because it is the expected thing to do, not because it is the path that you should be on, but because it is something yeah. that you have chosen and that you yeah. recognize the need within yourself. Oh, yeah. yeah. So yeah. So this does sound a little bit to me like it is then the intersection between interior design 
and life design. Yeah. I say it's interior design and it's interior design. Like life design is interior design. <laughs> right. In the interior yeah. of your psyche. Yeah. It's much more difficult to rearrange the interior of your psyche, but but our physical, our physical space has a lot to do with that. It helps. They can play together, right? If we can rearrange furniture in our house, it can help us have a new view of the way we're walking through, literally walking through and moving through the world. And it right. helps us to remap thought processes in our brain and recognize this is a moment of change for me. I can refresh and I can renew and I can release what's no longer serving me. Like These things work in tandem together. Yes. And I think that interior design sometimes gets a superficial wrap. Because Even many though people speak that way, yeah, they associate it with a decorator who is dealing with the surfaces, but mm-hmm. an interior designer does work with how you use the space. We've all had an awful apartment or a, an <laughs> office with the yeah. electrical outlets aren't in good places. The doors those in are designed place. by men most of the time. <laughs> <laughs> They're designed by architects, yeah, <laughs> which are primarily men. Yeah, I'm a very sensitive person, but yeah. a, a highly sensitive person. Yeah, it's a thing. Look it up. And absolutely, the interior does affect like lighting. Lighting is a a huge Huge. thing for me. Yeah, it like a bad lighting will just instantly just oh yeah bum me out and make me not feel like myself. And I'm a huge advocate for dimmer switches and like everywhere and put them everywhere. (laughs) Right, but like good ones because yeah, really good ones. Yes, I've also encountered some like bad dimmer switches. It's like usually a function of the light itself, the housing of the light itself, not supposed to be used with a dimmer because if it's not supposed to be, it'll make the light flicker. The electrical current isn't. There's a whole thing. We don't have to get into the technicalities, but there's a whole thing around. (laughs) No, no, we don't also have to get into into how lighting works, but right. Yeah, it's just this, these little things that do make a huge world of difference. Windows, there is a dorm building that was proposed for the University of Santa Barbara. And it's it's just this huge, huge complex that's meant to stuff as many people in as small of a space as possible. And many of the rooms don't have exterior windows. So that's that's been a thing that the community and some of the people that would live there are fighting against because... First of all, I'm not even sure how that's legal. If it's a bedroom, it's required to have a window. Um, I'm not sure how they're getting around building codes. I, and I don't know like where they are in the actual building process because yeah. this design has been so controversial because yeah. they're like depriving people... Of, of natural light. Of, of natural light. And exactly, like if, in most building codes, in most states, in most places. International it, building code requires a functioning window for fire purposes. Most standard code is there must be like a closet and there must be a window to be defined as a bedroom. Yeah. Daylight makes you feel like a human. Right. No, we need it. It's we, vitamin, need it. we get vitamins from the sun. Literally, we need it. We need right. it. Yeah. We cannot survive without it. It regulates your internal clock. Your circadian rhythms, all of yes. that. Yeah. 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 Well, these are all things that, again, all small things that people don't necessarily have any access to. The fact that we spend two thirds of our life inside of our home and yet there's no home ec class anymore. There's no class to teach us how to actually understand how to be inside of our home, how to maximize our home's effort for us. Right. Right. Yeah. Rather than the way around. And then most homes and most buildings in the United States have been designed by men who don't even know how to operate a household. Right. right. So like these are things that if the person designing the space has never run a load of laundry or ran the vacuum themselves, then they would have no comprehension of where outlets should be. 
of how space should be laid out, of the fact that you probably want your laundry room to be close to the kitchen rather than in the basement or up in a bedroom, because that way you can be running laundry while you're doing, making dinner, or you can be, it's in a central place, not down in the flipping basement where no one right, wants to right. go and feels like the dregs of society. And, and like, where you, you have, have to like person. pull things pull up everything and down. Through <laughs> yeah. It's insanity. It's all insanity. So here's my work. <laughs> Just trying to teach people the things that they don't know, right? Help to identify what people don't know and helping them to gain the resources to not always rely on me to find those resources, but to gain the curiosity and to understand how to direct their curiosity and how to understand how to seek out the resources that you need that you don't even know you need. Yeah. You don't even know you you need or you can feel that you need it. You just don't know where to find it. Absolutely. Right? Why don't you tell us a little bit about how single women, specifically single women living alone, yeah, can get these, find out what resources they need, get them, yeah. implement them in their homes so that they are, they're not feeling like it's this sad beige box yeah. that they've been relegated to because they yeah. don't have a family. Yeah. I think it's a matter of First, starting with recognizing that we are meant to take up space beautifully and intentionally in this world, right? It's like, let that sit for a minute. Like, we are meant to take up space. And getting to a place where you can recognize that, not can recognize that, that you do recognize that and you feel it inside your body. You know it inside your body, right? Little things like fat phobia came into existence during slavery, right? In the United States, it came into the lexicon, into this understanding where women went from being Reuben-esque to being frail and tiny because it was an indication that you can afford slaves, right? That your husband could afford slaves, not you, your husband, right? And that you were his property and you didn't have to do any work. The slaves did, right? So it was a way of distinguishing the black female or black male body from the female body, right? Understanding the roots of these things helps us to reframe the way that we get to exist in the world, and then we can let it translate into our physical environment because it's here first and then it's here and then it's here and then it's here. They work as a symbiotic. It's an ecosystem, right? And so maybe you start with picking a couple of really great books that you can read and that are helping to challenge the nature of your reality. And if you're looking for a list, you can email me. I have a giant list of books that I have read that have helped me to reshape and question the nature of my reality and question my assumptions about who I am and how I get to show up in the world. And then you might be able to pick up a can of paint and paint your walls whatever color you want, right? Whatever color feels good for you. Who cares about the trends, (laughs) Right. You're right. Like my bedroom is periwinkle. That's not a trend. That's never been a trend that I'm familiar with any time in the last several decades. Right. People aren't painting, running around painting their bedrooms periwinkle or their houses periwinkle. Right. So for me, it's a, a matter of recognizing like, hey, what feels good to me when I'm walking around my house? Does periwinkle feel good to me? Does it feel soft? Does it feel like it's ushering me in? How do I feel energetically when I'm walking through my home? Am I clamping up? Am I avoiding certain areas? Right. Mm, Pay attention to your own body language because your body language, actually your body responds faster than even your subconscious mind. Right. It's a different, it's, it's your autonomic, I think it's your autonomic nervous system. It's your like automatic nervous system is where your body's responding. So if you're tightening up, if you are clamping down, if you're avoiding walking into certain spaces, there's something there that you're not letting yourself take up that space. Right. And figure out a way to safely address it, emotionally safely address it, right? If you need support, 
get that support, whether it be a girlfriend and a bottle of wine, whatever it happens to be before you attack that thing, right? But it's definitely symbiotic. It's a matter of understanding our reality has been crafted by people who are trying to colonize us, not trying to, but successfully colonized us for generations and generations. And unlearning being the colonized is a long process and it's a healing process and it's a trauma process, right? It's a process through trauma and healing from trauma and then being able to take up space beautifully and amazingly in this world and giving ourselves permission to paint the thing or donate the thing, right? Even if it's a family heirloom and you've been pressured by your mom, like, oh, I ha- you have to keep that. You can't get rid of it. Well, if you want it so bad, you keep it. Otherwise I'm just getting rid of it. And as a matter of fact, I'm not even going to tell you I got rid of it. I'm just going to sell it. I don't need your permission for something that you want to live inside my home to to be out of my home. Oh, that's such a good one because women especially are usually the ones who are expected to maintain the family history and maintain the family objects and revere them and take care of them. It's just a matter of recognizing like our entire reality has been crafted by people who weren't looking out for us and they didn't no, they weren't looking out for us. They were doing the best they knew how based on the information they, they were given. And the information they were giving was just as toxic, was just terribly toxic. Right. And they never felt like they had the space to question the nature of their reality. And once they did, they just refused to because they'd have to admit that they really fucked up their own kids. So we don't have to take that on. And I think millennials in general, and especially Gen Z, Gen Z is like... Pfft, kidding i'm not doing that (laughs) i think in large part millennials we are taking on that labor to say you know what i'm going to not perpetuate what came before me right i'm not going to be a part of that system i'm not going to do that and we're doing the work right which is why we're we're having the strength within ourselves to say i'm not going to fulfill the thing that i was raised to believe i was meant to fulfill so that's already like a huge step that's already a huge moment to recognize like hey I've already taken these huge steps in the world and give ourselves so much like credit for that, right? For choosing to be single, knowing we're not the only one out there in the wilderness by ourselves. We're in this spinster life together, right? We have each other. And then just to lean into our own reframing of the nature of our reality so that we can give ourselves space to be ourselves and then create space for everybody else to be themselves as well. Yeah. And I think that also includes like not not being judgy or not like saying this is the way that things have to be. Like, why isn't there? Why don't you have a dining table in your dining room? Or Yeah. Yeah. And I think those moments of judgment are still going to come up for us because we were raised inside of significant spaces of judgment. But when they do come up, we can take a pause and we can be like, oh, I'm sorry. We can take accountability for it and say, that was a moment of judgment. And I'm going to go ahead and examine where that came from. And I'm going to do better next time. And because some of that is always going to be just you go into a space and it does not feel right to you and you have a visceral reaction to it. And maybe you lash out. You don't belong there. Yeah. So don't be there. Just walk away. Like there's spaces where I've gone and I was living in Philadelphia and there was a couple, there's a couple spaces I've been to. One is the Union League and one is the Racket Club. And I walked in each one. I walked in and I was like, something unpleasant has happened in this building there is happening now like energetic i was like i don't feel safe here (laughs) i do not feel safe so whenever i go into those spaces i'm really careful to make sure am i going to be with people who i feel safe around or safe with because i'm not just going to enter those buildings haphazardly and i think giving ourselves the space to feel those things and acknowledge those things and let those things be guides our intuition right because we've been taught not to trust our intuition but fostering our intuition and learning that we can trust it and we do not have to justify it ever. We do not have to prove it right or wrong. 
We do not have to justify it and we do not have to explain ourselves. That we can just lean into our intuition and we can do something about it without explanation. That's it. That's another way to take up space is to 100%. say, I'm not, I'm not going to take up this space or I can't physically Doesn't, exist in this space without yeah, discomfort. Yeah. Yeah, um, not meant for me. And also designing our homes in a way that maybe doesn't take everybody and anybody into account. I think that's another thing that we're very conditioned to do is to make other people comfortable. Yeah, yeah, and, of course, to our own and, discomfort. Right. Yes, you want to make your home welcoming to other people that you want to be there, but not at, at your right. own comfort. Right, exactly. We shouldn't feel like, and we shouldn't be made to feel like, and should have never been made to feel like, our comfort was meant to be sacrificed for other people's comfort no we never comfort inside of our own homes right like inside of our own homes like people coming to our home we felt like oh it has to be perfect right for this person to show up in my home my home is meant to be set up for this person who's visiting i'm supposed to sacrifice days of time to prepare my home for this person who's visiting my home it's my space Right. And also yeah. we have to question who we let in the front doors of our homes. That's a whole nother discussion. <laughs> Who's allowed inside of our home? Because everything is made of energy. Physics tells us everything is made of energy. Us, all of the living beings around us, the entire earth, the whole universe, it's made of energy. So every time we are in a space with another human being, they are leaving their energy behind, right? Or we are, and we are leaving our energy with them. Boundaries are beautiful things to put in place so that we are deciding what energy is allowed near us and what energy is not right and some human beings though don't respect or understand boundaries and if they refuse to they don't belong in our space i don't care who they are i do not care they are your own mother i don't care (laughs) your if your mother comes into your space and makes you feel bad about your own home she doesn't belong in your home and not that you need my permission to tell her to not be there anymore but if you needed it Here's your permission. Tell her she's not allowed in your home anymore. Absolutely. I think that's one boundary with dating too. A hundred percent. Is having someone else in your someone home. in your home. And I know yeah. in my younger days and my dumber days of dating, yeah. being put in that position of someone pressuring to want to come into my space and me not feeling right. comfortable, but then not yeah. feeling like I had a quote unquote good enough reason for them to not come up. Which is why I say reasons. We owe no one any reason and giving ourselves the permission to not provide them. It's all a practice, right? So this is why I say getting involved in group coaching or getting coaching on this can be really helpful because it's a practice, right? And I think it's really important to practice it in small things, right? Not providing reasons in the small things, not being like, could you carry this because my hands are full? That's normally how we ask for help. We justify Mm -hmm. why we need the help because we physically can't do it anymore. Stop providing reasons. Practice not providing reasons. And then when it matters, when it comes to your physical safety, you'll have practiced it all along the way so that it will be second nature to not provide a reason. And you will simply walk away and be able to protect yourself. That is so great. We practice everything, every like every other practical skill, cooking or driving or sports, but we don't practice. It's not, you don't. We're not allowed to practice taking up space, practice being intentional, practice staying curious, 
practice not giving reasons because we were taught the exact opposite. We were pra- right. we were taught to give reasons. Our mother required us. Well, why don't you want it? Doesn't mean that reasons are never necessary, especially in a work environment. If somebody can't give me a reason as to why I'm supposed to do something, then I'm not doing it. Right. That's different. But in our own life, we were taught if we asked for help, we had to have a valid reason. Otherwise, we weren't going to get that help. Right. Or a justification for a boundary. Exactly. Yeah, and my- then that justification was used and weaponized against us. So, right? oh, so many times, so many times. In, Which is why in I say don't even life. give them. Don't yeah. even give them. We don't, because they're going to weaponize it anyway to try to get what they want and manipulate and gaslight. So I don't give one. I'm just like, no. Right. No, is, no is a complete sentence. So the- complete whole sentence. Nope. No, thank you. Okay, bye. You're right. <laughs> okay, bye. <laughs> And, and it's so awkward. You can tell when a guy's never been told no and not given a reason by a woman the first time. You're like, no. And then you see the shock on his face. That's when you'll know that you were right, that you were right and you weren't safe with that person. Anybody who yeah. looks shocked when you say no and don't provide a reason you are not safe with. So good good on you for trusting yourself. No, but we got there. <laughs> and no, it's, oh God, it's, yes. It's such a, no, yes. <laughs> such an important conversation i know that i don't cover this stuff enough but yeah, but, us, but i think it's also because most people aren't used to having these kind of conversations it's not part of our daily lexicon for us to be having these conversations because we weren't allowed and so we didn't practice them right so we're not used to bringing up these conversations but no you know, and I, I i am because this is part of my work right yeah <laughs> just to be challenged a little bit yeah just a little bit yeah shanna thank you so much for being here this was an excellent conversation yeah. This just Thanks proves that us. yes, you were so welcome. This just proves that design and our surroundings are are so much deeper than just a paint swatch on a wall. 100%. A particular <laughs> chair that Yeah. It's it is it's two thirds of our life. It's this space that we can control and there are so many things about our lives and our bodies that we can't control to have yeah. this one space, this one inner sanctum to pay attention to it and to arrange it in a way that is intentional. So thank you so much for sharing with us. Yeah. Thanks for having me. I I really appreciate having these conversations. People hear life design, their mind immediately makes some kind of association that is absolutely not what I actually mean by it. (laughs) And then once we start talking about it, they can feel what it is in their body. They're like, oh, now I know what life design is. And so I love, I love that recognition. I love having these conversations with people so that they can settle into that, that they can feel that kind of acceptance inside of their body, that be present inside of their own body and and know that they get to take up space beautifully in the world. Right. What does that mean? What does that mean? And that we that you do have some element of power, even when you feel yeah. powerless. There there is still, yeah. still there's still a there. few things that you have some control over. And let's maximize our impact with those things we do have control over and then work to change the things that we yeah. Yeah. So please tell us how people can get in touch with you, where they can follow you on social media. Yeah. Uh, the hub, the easiest place to go is just go to my website. It's www.consonate.world. And I'm sure it'll be shag- um, shagged. Nope. It'll be tagged in the show notes. <laughs> <laughs> it'll be tagged in the show notes. And so you can go there. All of the links to social media are, are there. There's links to article places I've been published, all the podcasts that I've been on. There's some links to some videos about what is life design. 
and some helpful tools that people can start implementing. So there's lots there and then information about, so the workshops that I provide and on-group coaching and one-on-one coaching is also everything's there. It's a great resource of information. So if people want to go and find me, and also my contact information is there. So if you want to find me, that's the place to go is to my website. You can hire me <laughs> um, as a speaker, as a workshop facilitator. So if any part of this conversation is something that appeals to you, I would love for you to reach out. There's a variety of conversations that we can have around what is life design and tailored either for the corporate environment or because we're working while we're living. You know, whenever people say I'm, it's about a work-life balance and like that statement supposes that we're not alive while we're working <laughs> and, it, and we, we are alive. We're alive. Right, which is a horrifying sentiment. Correct. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So this conversation can be crafted about any because it's life design and because we're alive at every aspect of our living. Amazing. Once again, thank you so much for being here. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate you having me. Yeah. And we will see you next time. Yeah. Thanks. If you want to support the spinster life, listen up, rate and review us on Apple Podcasts or sign up for the Substack newsletter, spinsterlife.substack.com or follow us on Instagram at living the spinster life. I'm also on YouTube. The channel handle is The Spinster Life. Thanks for listening.